So uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1 this morning. I know um, we've been in the book of Acts and going verse by verse through the book of Acts. And this morning we're in Galatians 1. Why? Because um, in the book of Acts, in Acts 13 through 14, they were in a region called Galatia. And uh, so they started some churches there, had some pretty amazing experiences there, and then they left there and they wrote back to those new Christians there, Paul did, and that writing is the book of Galatians. And so that all of that is Paul's first missionary journey, and sometime after that missionary journey is when he wrote Galatians. And I think it's interesting, I think we can learn a lot from seeing what did God have to say to these new churches that we just studied the account of their being started. So these are these new Christians in Galatia. So we're going to look at Galatians 1, 18 through 24 uh, this morning. Um, and, and the title of the message is Your Life in 16 Words. Your Life in 16 Words. If you got a uh, sermon note insert uh, this morning, you can see that there was a typo uh, uh, it says 18 words. And so we'll just say 16 to 18 words. Does that sound good? Uh, that is my fault. I emailed the wrong number uh, to, um, to the person who helped with that. And so blame me, but um, your life in 16 words. And, and I just, I think it's helpful to think, and this passage certainly does make us think about what really summarizes our life. You know, here's, here's some, some tombstones that are real tombstones. One of them read, I told you I was sick. You know, that's just like interesting that they had that written on there. Um, I made some good deals, bad ones. I really went in the hole on this one. Uh, ha, ha. Um, here lies an atheist all dressed up and no place to go. And you know what? We don't even believe that, do we? Um, please deactivate my Facebook. That must be a more recent one. I've always wondered what does happen, you know, with social media if you pass away. Uh, these are just funny, right? But like, it's just an example. These are real. It's an example of how, you know, when you, when you go to the next life, when you go into eternity, oftentimes that's what people have. They have a short summary of your life. Not everyone doesn't know you really well. In a hundred years, no one will know anything about you except that short statement. I, this morning, just thinking about this message, I prepared by walking through the city cemetery in downtown Raleigh, which is just right by my house, just to look at some of the tombstones and just think about this and really feel it. And I love walking through that cemetery I sort of love it. I actually kind of don't like it at all because it's a, it's a picture of Raleigh. It's, it's in four quadrants, and the southeast quadrant is where slaves are buried, and the tombstones in, in that part of the cemetery are like little rocks. And then there's these ornate sort of big, massive tombstones in the other three quadrants, and it's just so sobering to stand there and look around. And I was looking at some of them, Today, 1964, person, educator, author, poet, and school administrator. That's it. That's what we know about them. 1879, relative of this same person, his life was gentle and the elements so mixed in him 
that nature might stand up and say to the world, this was a man. <laughs> okay. And you know, these are interesting. These, some of them, the first ones I shared are funny. But in our passage today, we're going to read 16 words. It's a statement about the Apostle Paul. And most of the people alive at that time, that's all they knew about Paul. And he says that is the case. Many, most, did not know him personally, but only knew his reputation. And so let's think about that today. In 100 years, you know, many of us, we are so close with our friends. We know our family. You know, we have our resume. We have our social media accounts. And people know us, and we feel known. But in 100 years, in 200 years, in 1,000 years, 16 words or less might be generous. What will it say? What is our reputation? And here's the thing. As we look at these 16 words about Paul, what we learn from it is this, and this is the main idea this morning. What we learn from it is this, because Paul is saying, here are my 16 words, and we look at it and we go, wow, that, that teaches me something. Here's what it is. The true gospel fundamentally changes my relationships and gives me a big heart for the church. The true gospel, and that means something when he's writing to the Galatians because there were false teachers there that were trying to lead them astray to another gospel, though there is no real other gospel, Paul says in Galatians 1, but the true gospel fundamentally, it fundamentally changes our relationships. And it gives us a big heart for the people of God, for the church. It does. It puts us in community with people. So let me read to you Galatians 1, 18 to 24, say a quick prayer, and then we're going to look at two points this morning. Galatians 1. So, so Paul is telling them something about his journey here. He says, verse 18, Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him. 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Lord, we bow before you. We pray and ask that you would shake us up this morning, that you would sober us and awaken our hearts and minds to the shortness of life to the importance of the legacy and reputation that we leave. May it be true of our lives, as Paul says here, it was true of his, that people glorify God because of us. Because of knowing just a little bit about us. And so God, speak to us, encourage us, Help us to be firm and rooted in the true gospel and to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen.
your life in 16 words. So, okay. Now, this, these verses, like, like the verses I just read to you, do not jump off the page and just grab you right away. Like, whoa, man, never seen that passage. That's so, that feels so relevant to me. That doesn't happen. I know that. It's like you're jumping into the middle of a conversation, and it's like, what's going on there? So let me just tell you, what's happening is in this place, this place called Galatia, it's a region. And in this place, Paul and Barnabas and their crew had just started some churches there, and now false teachers have come in, and here's what they're saying. They're saying, we're from Jerusalem. Um, oh, yeah, you guys, you guys met Paul, right? We know Paul. He, he, yeah, we've, we, we've spent time with him in Jerusalem. We know Paul. Um, he, he has it a little bit wrong. So now we're going to correct that and give you a little bit more about Christianity. And in doing that, they're going to do some what is called false teaching. They're going to say, oh, yeah, you believe in Jesus? That's great. You also need to do this, this, and this, and this. And it denies the grace of God. It's, it's they're teaching works salvation, legalism. And, and, and so they've come in, they're like, we know Paul. Oh, you guys know Paul? Yeah, he was in class with us in Jerusalem. He skipped some classes. He fell asleep. He doesn't have it right. So Paul is responding to that. That's what you ha- we have to understand in this passage. The question really before us is, did Paul even get the gospel in Jerusalem like these guys? Did, did that even happen? Did he get it there and like miss a class and not get everything? Is that what happened? In verse 11 of chapter 1, he sort of addresses this. I'll read it to you. It says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man. Do you see? I didn't go and receive it from Peter in Jerusalem, nor was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's saying. So in chapter 1, he's giving the Galatians, he's reminding them of his dramatic conversion from a persecutor of the church to a follower, devoted disciple of Christ. He's telling them, I did go to Jerusalem. These guys may have seen me there, but I went three years after I became a Christian. I didn't go there to get the gospel. I already had it. I got it from Jesus. And he says, even when I went to Jerusalem, I only met with two of the apostles, Peter and James. That's the context of this passage. And so again, the main idea, the big truth this morning is that the true gospel fundamentally changes my relationships and gives me a heart for the church. And we see that in Paul's life. So the first point is this, through the gospel, I have a meaningful connection with Jesus Christ's people, the church. That's from verse 18 through 20. Again, these false teachers were implying that Paul was fumbling and getting Christianity wrong. He was not giving them everything. Is that true? Is it true? Paul, he's he's challenging the Galatians and us to think about that. What did the top two human earthly leaders of Christianity at that time think about Paul? Paul's going to tell us in verses 18 through 20. So again, verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, 
and remained with him 15 days. So what did Peter think about Paul? Well, he's like, hey, you want to stay at my house for 15 days? Verse 19, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, the earthly brother of Jesus. And then he says in verse 20, in what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Listen, that's kind of serious. Have you ever like had someone grilling you on your travel plans and you have to stop them and say, listen, I swear I am not lying before the Lord. Like, What's going on here? Again, I told you. They're implying that Paul doesn't, he doesn't have it correct. And down in Jerusalem, they're not agreeing with what Paul has been telling you. Which is why he's saying, no, I went there. I was with Peter. I was with James. I'm not lying before the Lord. What's he saying when he says, before the Lord, I'm not lying? What is he saying? He's saying this. He's saying, go ask them. Go ask them. To the Galatians, he's saying that. Of course, we can't do that, but they could. So so what do we learn from this? Again, the point is, through the gospel, I have a meaningful connection with Jesus and his people, the church. It's interesting. Paul got his faith in Christ. He got his faith in the gospel from the top leader of Christianity. You know who that is? It's a trick question. It's not Peter. It's Jesus Christ. Paul just said that in Galatians 1. Dramatically converted to be a disciple of Christ on the road to Damascus in Acts 9. So Paul visited Jerusalem. He didn't do it right away. He didn't need to. He knew Christ. But after three years, he did. Why did he? You might ask that question. Why? Why at all? Here's why. Because establishing a meaningful connection with the people of the Lord Jesus was important to him. It matters. Paul was not a renegade. Even though he was the apostle Paul, he was not a renegade. He felt it was important to go to Jerusalem to establish a connection. Again, the point is through the gospel, I have. Paul's saying, look, because of the gospel, I have. And it's true for us too, and it should be. Through the gospel, I have a meaningful connection with Christ's people, with the church. Challenge yourself with that. Look at this. It's, it, there's a lot here. Peter was so hospitable to Paul. Was Peter disapproving of Paul as these false teachers might have been implying? No. He let him stay with them for 15 days. Peter was married, probably had children. You know, that's a long time. Peter was probably for sure very poor. I mean, like, that's, that's some Christian hospitality right there. Like, did, he have, did Paul have to pay like a cleaning fee? Like, did, like, how did that even work? I'm so challenged by that. A meaningful connection through the gospel. What an amazing 15 days that must have been. Peter and Paul meeting, perhaps for the first time, in in this new situation where Paul now is a follower of Christ. What an amazing 15 days that must have been for Peter and for Paul. Now, Paul did not go to be affirmed by them. He gives us the reason he went. He says he went to visit 
Cephas. The New American Standard says it this way. He went to get acquainted with Cephas. So He didn't go for their approval, but they did approve of him. And that's relevant to the Galatians because there are people around there saying, oh, Jerusalem doesn't approve of Paul. You need to listen to us. Paul then says in verse 20, before God, I do not lie. Again, he's saying, this is serious. Paul's faith in Jesus was real. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Christ, was real in Paul's life. It had fundamentally and radically altered his relationships and given him a heart for the church. Paul was transformed from a hyper-religious, murderous, Pharisee, persecutor of Christians to a gospel-connected good friend and teammate. This is proof of the true gospel in your life. This kind of change, this kind of fundamental transformation in your relationship with the church, with Christians, and with the Lord. Through the gospel, I have a meaningful connection with the people of Christ and the church. Again, the main idea, the true gospel fundamentally changes my relationships and gives me a big heart for the church. Think about what Paul is saying. Like, wake up. Don't be sleepy. Like, think about it. He's saying, listen, I used to hate Christians, persecuting Christians. My peers, my friends were people who hated them too. Then the gospel, now I'm sleeping on Peter's couch. Now I'm in Jerusalem getting acquainted with the leadership. Second point, in the gospel, I have a testimony and reputation of life change and a new life that builds up the local church. So again, false teachers are implying Paul is messing up the gospel. They want to add to the gospel, which deletes the gospel, basically. The free grace of God, the good news of Jesus. So, what do Christians around the region of Jerusalem think about Paul? He's answered the question in the first point. Well, Peter and James, they're good with me. What does everyone else think? Paul's defending his gospel to the Galatians. What does everyone else think? Verse 21, Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. So Paul's saying, I was unknown. They didn't know me except for, and we're going to get to this in a second, the 16 words. That's all they knew about him. But it's interesting, verse 21 through 22, where Paul talks about how unknown he was. Paul's clear he did not linger in Jerusalem. He did not stay in network. He says, then I went. He went to these places. Do you see in your Bible, verse 21, he went to Syria and Cilicia. Use your map in the back of your Bible to find those places. Here's something to know. This 
This verse accounts for eight years in Paul's ministry that we know basically nothing about. Eight years went by. We know very little about it. Paul says he was unknown and he was unknown. Paul was unknown to the Christians in Judea, which is where the who's who of Christianity was at that time. This seemed to be a time where God was working more in Paul than through Paul. He was still useful. We, we do know that he was ministering in Acts 15, verse 41. He will say that he went back to strengthen churches that were in Cilicia and Syria. And so some churches may have been started by Paul. But it's a time of being unknown in Paul's ministry. We'll come back to that. Verse 23. They only, that's the Christians in Judea, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. He's saying all that these Christians, they did not know him personally, all that they heard about him were these 16 words. And if you look at those 16 words, what do you see? You see a testimony. You see a testimony that's clear. It's a testimony from used to Jesus now. That's it. Testimony of life change. What a great challenge for us and a reminder for us to ask ourselves regarding our testimony and regarding our reputation. What is it? And do we share it with people? Again, Paul's faith in Jesus was real. The gospel was real in Paul's life. Again, the point number two that we're looking at is in the gospel, I have a testimony. I have a used to Jesus and now testimony. And I have a reputation, 16 words, that people who don't know you well and closely might hear about you. And it's that testimony. In the gospel, I have a testimony and reputation of life change and a new life that builds up the local church. Because that's what Paul really points out about his testimony. He was a persecutor and destroyer of the Christian faith. And now what is he? A new life in Christ, building up the church. The true gospel fundamentally changes my relationships. Think of your relationships. The gospel is supposed to fundamentally change our relationships and gives me a big heart for the church. Think of your feelings toward the church. The gospel gives us a big heart for the church. The true gospel does this. So let me finish out with five applications, very much based on what we've been looking at. Basically, we've studied these verses, we've explained them, we've looked at them through these two points. Now, five applications, and here's the first one. Know that you know the true gospel and believe it. Know that you know the true gospel and believe it. Do you get the gospel? You've put money in a vending machine before, maybe, and then it didn't, it didn't come out, you know, it got stuck. And you're like looking around, you're like, what do I do right now? Is anyone looking? And you do a shoulder, you know, bam to the front of it, or you do a big knee to the side of it. 
Has the gospel made it down into your heart? Do you know that you know the true gospel and are believing it? Again, remember, friends, the gospel means good news. It's not good advice. It's not a to-do list from the Bible. It's a done list, God's grace for us. It's about Jesus, not about man. It's about faith in God, the empty hands of faith held up to heaven, receiving the grace of God, not about self-reliance. And so do you have this operating system? Do you know that you know the true gospel and believe it? That's the first challenge. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, five words. Christ died for our sins. Romans 10, 13, 12 words. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's understanding the gospel that gives you this testimony of 16 words. Number two, take a next step to be more connected to church. It doesn't have to be this church, but, but the people of God, local people of God. Paul did not have to connect with Peter and James. He wanted to. Taking that step for him was an outworking of his true gospel faith. What is a step that you can take now? Maybe it's being at every midweek service and really looking to get a great start to the fall. When community with other believers goes from this mindset of a have to to a get to and a want to, that's gospel fruit in our lives. Number three, build up another's faith through showing hospitality. Peter was married, I said this already, likely had children. He was the premier leader in the Jerusalem church, probably very poor too, so he was busier than all of us and poorer. It's amazing this hospitality that they, Peter's family, showed to Paul. I'm sure it required the Lord's help. I'm sure it required prayer and sacrifice. I'm sure it built up Paul's faith, but probably Peter's and his family's faith too. The early church, we know, was so hospitable toward one another. Lord, help us to do that too. Lord, help us to be hospitable. Help us work out our problems so that we can be more open and slow down. Romans 12, 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Number four, be okay with being unknown and letting God work in you. I think it's really encouraging for us to see this season in Paul's ministry where he was unknown personally to those Christians in Judea. They only knew these 16 words about him. A powerful 16 words. God was at work in Paul's life during this time. I think of David with the sheep, the unknown. I think of Moses in the desert, unknown. Think about your life. 
It's okay when God's working in you and not through you in some profound public way. Be okay with it. Some of God's best work is done in secret, in obscurity, in the unknown. Here's a quote from Timothy George. God sometimes calls his servants to labor in obscure places and under difficult circumstances in order to make them ready for some particular task or assignment unknown to them at that time. It may well be that Paul would not have had the wisdom to write Romans or the equanimity to deal with the fractious Corinthians. I understand none of those words, by the way. (laughs) Or I do really, it's just hard. Or the courage to withstand the false teachers at Galatia. Or the endurance to face arrest in Jerusalem and martyrdom in Rome. Had it not been for the 10 years or so he spent laboring in the little known places with results difficult to quantify. It's a great challenge. Be okay with being unknown. God is at work. And the last one, number five, write out your testimony to share. Write out your testimony to share. What is your 16 words? God is calling you to share your testimony. (laughs) The 13-word mission of our church, transforming religious and irreligious people through the gospel into passionate disciples of Jesus. What's your 16 words? What's your before Jesus now testimony? Think about this. Get baptized if you haven't. We have a baptism class today and one on August 20th, preparing for the baptisms on August 27th, which is about sharing your testimony. It's great. As I close, I want to share an excerpt of my own testimony. Just, just, it is written down, so this is at the end. Zooming out. Here I am today. Jesus changed my life. I was an insecure, disrespectful, mean, sin-entangled, guilt-burdened guard on the high school basketball team. Now Jesus has transformed me into a confident, respectful person with high integrity. He's given me a passion for being one of his disciples. And perhaps most surprising of all, He chose to call me to lead in his church to help others be his disciples too. What a great savior that he changes our lives and he gives us these testimonies of him working in us. So let's close in prayer and respond to God and worship in song this morning. Bow with me.